Hello and welcome to Nick Flanagan Weekly. I am Nick Flanagan. This is Nick Flanagan Weekly. I hope you enjoyed yesterday's episode. I know I enjoyed making it for you. Today's Tuesday. It's dark outside. And today's episode has a guest. Today's episode's guest is Sandra Shamas, the incredible performer, writer, author, um, really brought the one-woman comedic stand-up show to Canada, popularized uh, it in the 1980s. Very thoughtful, very unique, uh, wonderful performer. It was really a treat getting to talk to her. Um, I mentioned it yesterday, but some of the stuff that she mentioned when we were talking really just put me in the right headspace to perform um, right after the show. As you will hear, I uh, had a show to do right after our interview. So, and, and I, I did it with ease, and I think that had to do with, you know, her devotion and descri- describing that devotion to presence and to authenticity, being in the moment. So, we talk about a lot of different subjects. We do a show and tell at the end. This is a classic Nick Flanagan Weekly style interview. <laughs> classic. And um, I hope you enjoy it. Of course, if you want to support the podcast, tell a friend, share it with a friend, share it on social media, share it with your group, share it with your peers, share it with your family. Share it with Sherry Boyle, the great artist. And um, you can also donate to my patron, Patreon account, if you want. That's patreon.com slash Nick Flanagan. And uh, enjoy the interview. Here's Sandra Shamas. This is becoming more intimate by that's, the minute. That's what Fantastic. I want. Normally I interview people on my bed. <laughs> And I just, it just didn't feel like Russell Brand. Is that what he does? Yeah. Yeah. So I, I mean, I've found that I have this thing where I think I'm doing original ideas and it turns out I just don't pay enough attention to (laughs) popular culture. I didn't want to leave the bed. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So is this, is this enough or? I think, um, like, do whatever. No, no, no. Just, you don't need to do a thing. We're going to pick it up just fine. Are you sure? Yeah. Because even your voice is going to reach here. Okay. That's a thing about this this mic. Are multi-directional? These yeah, they're multi-directional, okay. basically. Okay. Um, so that that's staying in. I'm taking out all the Dylan stuff. What? What's staying? Our in? discussion of mics. Multi-directional mics. <laughs> Fantastic. But we were talking about Bob Dylan. Yes, we and were. you seeing Bob Dylan once, once in about my life. ten years ago, maybe. No. Yes, ten years ago. Yeah. yeah. That sounds like you're saying that. Uh, no, it was the last of the red hot gourds. Um, I had a penchant for dating a man with the same name. It was very bizarre. I kept attracting these same guys, different head, but same name. Yeah. and uh, Same that body? Was, yeah, no, 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 no. Uh, but he was the last, and he had these tickets, and he was he was a devotee. And, mm-hmm. you know, he basically embroidered the fucking thing on a pillow and had it on his bed. Like, it was like a big, big deal. So he had these tickets, and he wanted me to go with him, and I didn't care for it, but he got into that place where it's like, well, if you don't go, I'm not going to go. It's like, really? Really? So I went and, you know, just grinned and bared it for two and a half hours. Wow. That's not 
a great situation. It's not a great Dylan story. I would have been. I mean, it would be nice to show up with a better one, but this is not. Great. No, I actually think it's a great Dylan story. It's a necessary Dylan story. Is it? It's a necessary story about music and partnership, and how and and yeah. really just our loves and trying to inflict them on <laughs> those. True. Who we are with, either romantically or as friends, but yeah. especially romantically, yeah. right? I, I have never, I'm not the kind of person, like I think you definitely should do what you want to do. You be you, you go do what yeah. you need to do and let me do what I need to do. And then we'll have something quite fascinating to talk about when we finally get together and have common, <laughs> you know, we have our common time. Like I think that's essentially how one should operate Everybody, you're everybody. such an independent person that you said when we finally get together. Like it sounds like it's every few months. I don't want somebody here. up in my grill all the time. I like. Yeah. I love my. I love. I love space. Space. Yeah. I like my independence. I like. Uh, I like moving around on my own, but that doesn't mean I don't enjoy and and treasure the time I spend with people. Mm-hmm. In fact, even more so because. Then I come to it fresh. Like I don't think it's not an, it's not a duty on any re- mm-hmm. any level at all. Like then it's like a true want. Then I really want to be there, and I am. So that makes me happy. I guess I should do a slight intro. I'm going to do an intro normally, but this is Sandra Shamas. Hi. Hi. <laughs> I uh, knew it was Sandra Shamas. Did you? Pronunciation wise, and also facial. Because it's Hanukkah. <laughs> <laughs> no, because I'm. I know you're not Irish. Mm-hmm. <laughs> no, but I, Sandra Seamus is such a True. common pronunciation, pronunciation of yeah. your name that I've heard, and um, it, it's not Seamus, is it? No, it's Seamus. Yeah, I mean we've done enough. Per, I've heard you introduced enough times oh, that it's brutal. The introduction. Oh my god! <laughs> Even during my investiture for the fucking Ontario. Oh, what was that called? The Order of Ontario. Oh, you got that. That's great. Yeah, I great. got that. And she pronounced my name fully, incorrectly, three times. That's like, so I was like, Canadian. Like we're in, <laughs> you know, like we're in the pinnacle of all the things, of all mm-hmm. the places. And I am just looking at her in astonishment. Like yeah. I, I had phonetically, I had phonetically spelled my name repeatedly to these people mm-hmm. and still came out Irish. That's so amazing. And that's so... I feel like the creative class in Canada will always just be Rodney Dangerfield. I think he resonates with us. <laughs> Why is that? What is? No respect. What does that even mean? No oh, respect. I don't. It's. I don't know if it's respect as much as it is just. Um, I think like whatever neural pathway is really well worn. Yeah. That's the one they go with. I. Yeah, that's really a, a good point. Is is that it's not always. It's not. It's not a slight. 90% of the time, unless no. we're dealing with maybe divorce lawyers and <laughs> yeah. court. And no. I did have a woman once say to me, when I corrected her, say, oh, well, I always pronounce it Seamus. Oh, <laughs> like said, it was well, on you. I will go and tell my mom she is incorrect. <laughs> and so, thank you for that. <laughs> Nothing better than correcting your mom, really. Right on. Yeah. Like, I'll get right on that. My mom corrected me earlier, if you noticed. Uh, you met my mom earlier. Yeah. I poured you milk, and she said, the milk, the tea is really milky. Are you sure you want it? Is that a correction? It's a slight is that burn. A, yeah, I don't, uh, no, I don't, I don't, I don't Between, hear it. you've never. I don't hear it. I don't, <laughs> no, I probably don't hear lovely. it. Or it probably doesn't exist. No, but I, the tea, and it's my <laughs> Like my my most favorite milk of you know. Yeah, we had your favorite milk, which was also my mom's favorite milk. See, 
I wonder. I don't know. I wonder what's going on there. I don't know. And in fact, I only started drinking milk again like last week. Um, <laughs> oh, really? I swear to God. So last week you discovered your favorite milk. Mm-hmm. Um, why did you go back to milk? Why did you go away from milk? I was in the um, I was in the cereal aisle of the organic <laughs> <laughs> grocery store, and I saw a big bag of puff a puff of rice, like the puffed rice cereal. Okay, yeah, yeah. Puffed rice. Right. And I just had this like aperture of childhood open up for me, mm-hmm. and I remembered how much I loved puffed rice, as because. I was never like, yes, Captain Crunch, of course, or, you know, I'm not mm-hmm. a monster. But the <laughs> fact that I loved puffed rice so much um, necessitated milk because I bought the puffed rice and then I needed milk. So I found the grass fed and oh, it was delicious. Still is. No almond milk? I'm you? not nuts. I don't do nuts. You don't do nuts? Soy, that's a bean. Yeah, soy has its own conversation with mm. hormones and estrogens and I, things like you're, that. You're very watchful. You're aware. You just have to be in terms of, you know, how the, you know, what goes into the body and how it all comes out in the end. <laughs> <laughs> What's the regimen? Isn't the, I've always thought that the most important thing wow. is regularity. You're not wrong. <laughs> yeah, like, you're not wrong. the more things that you're flushing out of your system, the, the better you are. I say the more things you are flushing out <laughs> of any system, uh, the better. The more flushing, the you more don't flushing. even... Just use just flush the toilet say, like Al Bundy I, or I, something. I say, yeah, I'm a I'm a minimalist. I think, yeah, the more flushing, the better. <laughs> um, so your regimen would be what? Are, what are some of your health rules? I'm interested. Health in this. rules. Yeah. Interesting. You seem like a healthy person. I am. Yeah. Well, I think the first. Well, the word toxicity comes into my mind right away, so I try to avoid anything that I find toxic. Now, is this a metaphysical sort of meaning, or is this really just the literal? Oh, it's across the board. Okay, yeah. yeah, Like when I say, flush everything, flush, like, whatever is not keeping your spirit Mm -hmm. buoyant, whatever, Mm -hmm. you know, when people latch on to you because they want to mm-hmm. suck the life out of you sure uh or they want something from you and you're not willing to give them mm-hmm. uh, um yeah i try very hard to maintain my balance by you know by by maintaining and by doing so i i have to be vigilant about mm-hmm. you know what i'm taking in like what i'm looking at what i'm hearing who i'm around like all the rest of that and how does one exist in 1970s and 1980s Ontario in the comedy scene and avoid toxicity? <laughs> That's a very good question. Because <laughs> I grew up in the 80s in, in Toronto, yeah. and it was it felt toxic in it many, was. many ways. It was fucking toxic. <laughs> Go on the it street. Was like, it was, you know, plutonium nine. <laughs> yeah, 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 exactly. More plutonium? No thanks. Yeah. Um, well, the way that I avoided it was that... Uh, the first time I tried stand up mm. uh, was at Yuck Yucks. Okay. On amateur night. Yeah. Uh, it was in 1986. Right. I think. Uh, maybe even, I would say 86, just for, for safety's sake. Yeah. Um, I was introduced, uh, ladies and gentlemen, there are no women in comedy, just sluts and whores. Oh. Sandra Shamus. Yeah. Uh, and I walked out, my jaw was, like, my jaw was on the floor i literally stood there in, in front of the audience and i i literally said i am not like <laughs> i was so shocked at the introduction i yeah. didn't know that it's a pat introduction because 
that's what toxicity likes you to say. Um, and I went back the second time and there was a, an unfortunate inst- incident of, of racism. So that's, I just... At On that, your part? Yeah. Someone <laughs> found out I was Lebanese. Oh. And they were Jewish and it was a problem. And so after that, I knew that this... this um, uh, mine open like this mine uh, shaft uh-huh. <laughs> this canary could not go into that mine shaft like I literally knew that I would not thrive in an in that arena uh-huh. not having any other option at that time right um, or knowing of any other option so basically I, I but I withdrew mm-hmm. like I'm I'm re- I'm always ready to cut and and run if it's not good yeah even though I don't know what I'm running to life is short Honest to God. Yeah. Uh, but then I discovered, you know, the Riv, and the Riv was doing, the Rivoli was doing all this alternative stuff, mm-hmm. and it was great. So that's that's how I avoided it. When you're saying all this alternative stuff, uh, what what do you mean ex- exactly? We're talking what? about, um, um, now I want to remember Dan Redekin's. Oh, the Frantics. The Frantics. So the right. Frantics were doing work, Dan was doing work at the... At individual work mm-hmm. at the Rivoli. Um, the kids in the hall were doing stuff at the Rivoli. Um, um, Paul Greenberg had a group. Um, Greenberg. Paul, tell me about Paul Nick Greenberg. Nick McKinney, Paul Greenberg. Who are those guys? And Rob Gerfrere. Oh, my God. You know? Help me, Lord, to remember uh, this. Oh, yeah. They were wonderful. Like, they were a, a wonderful... Um, sketch comedy. Well, yeah. I want to remember. Um, this is a thing about about comedy eras is we we all it's it's also present in the moment and then thirty you know I, yeah. I, I I'm seeing that now because I've been doing this for almost twenty years now and in the Toronto scene and there's like all these new kids mm. and they know me you know in the same sense that people sort of probably. If they are doing, say, Dawn Patrol, which is a great show mm. in Toronto that I've we've done together, yeah. and and uh, you know they would get to know you, you know, and and um, yeah. And, and, but if you're not around for a period of time, mm-hmm. and then it's almost and and there isn't you know archaeological evidence that's been unearthed. <laughs> <laughs> no trace. No, yeah, There's no trace. You're like the lost city of Atlantis, and or that something. happens to me because mm-hmm. I I. I perform and then I coast. I perform and then I coast. Yeah. So I don't have. I'm. I'm not in high rotation, whereas somebody who is doing clubs and somebody is doing comedy houses and you know pop ups and stuff like that, you have more of a an opportunity. But I only ever do that when it's time to workshop new material. Yeah, and that's. A, I mean, the form is 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 different as well. You know. I mean, you do uh, one-woman shows, basically. And, mm-hmm. and I mean, the first thing I'm, I was wondering was just, you know, this is a silly question because I know, I'm, I know that it's existed as a form for a long time. Obviously, in the 70s and 80s, it was Whoopi Goldberg famously did one. Even Bette Midler, I think, was yeah, and those Sandra were, Bernhard. Yeah, and the rise of those. Yeah. That's when, I mean, Lily... Lily, Lily Tomlin. Tomlin was the one that mentored me mm-hmm. because I went to see her show on my 29th birthday. Uh-huh. So I saw firsthand a woman on stage holding court to 1,600 people 
and I had never seen it. I'd never, I didn't know it existed. And then, you know, Mike Nichols is directing Whoopi Goldberg, then mm-hmm. Sandra Bernhardt comes on, then Bette Midler is doing, you know, uh, you know, all these great, amazing shows, like these strong, amazing women coming up and doing exact, like, exactly who they are. Like yeah. not replicating each other on any level and conversational and and uh, it's it's the idea of character driven comedy. Yeah. You know, it, yeah. you know when people say that they're in writing, they're like, oh, well, it has to be character driven. It's like that's literally all of these one one person shows you're talking about because you have Spalding Gray is somewhere in that mix. Right? You know, yeah. I mean, I, I never saw Eric Bogosian, but yeah. I mean that's same. Same type of thing. And later on, I would see John Leguizamo's comedy specials, and I would say, what? I cannot make heads or tails like of this guy. And it's because he comes more from the spoken word form, you know, like, yeah, like a one-person show yeah. rather than stand-up, you know? And I, I was never able to wrap my head around that because I was watching, like, the 90s SNL guys, you know? Right. As my definition yeah. of a certain teenage comedy. Right. And, and, and it's not accessible to you. It like, wasn't you know accessible I mean? like to me. Like your form, like who you are and, mm-hmm. your, and how your form presented itself, mm-hmm. there was no egress into that form. I, I don't think so. I mean, it was also something about, you know, constant rejection of, of that which I enjoyed before. <laughs> you know, so it might have been in the 80s. Can you explain it, that to me? Constant rejection of that which I enjoyed before. It's like being self-conscious about who you are and... The teenage self-consciousness especially. I remember several eras, you know. First I was into maybe Alice in Chains and uh, certain metallic things, mm-hmm. uh, bands, and maybe what was more contemporary, like U2 or Red Hot Chili Peppers. And then by the time I was 15, I was into all, real alternative, you know, Jesus wow. Lizard and uh, Nick Cave and uh, right. that kind of stuff. And I was like, this other stuff is bunk. You know, the right. idea that when you change... Yeah, you have every... to leave your religion behind. Yeah, yeah, you have to convert. And that's uh, pur- purposeless, I, I think. You know, because you're still an amalgamation purposeful. of these... It's purposeful. It's a purpose- purposeful and intentional decision. Yeah. But it's in terms of um, the, the overall... Uh, I guess I, I don't mean to say purposeless. I mean like meaningless because in the end you still have the influence of everything you liked before. Sure. You know. But you have... What are you... If you are going to be, if you are going to encourage your own evolution, uh, you have to let, you have, you have to flush some stuff. Let things go. Let things go. Yeah. I guess it is just, those all wound up coming back. Well, eventually. Yeah. yeah, Because Mm -hmm. you are the sum of everything you've ever known plus this day, right? Yeah. So, right. But uh, whether or not it's useful at the time. Mm-hmm. Right, you just collate it, and then mm-hmm. once it's you know, and then you go, oh, wait a second, uh, right? It, it just sort of pops up in a different iteration. But, yeah, you know, you you had an experience, and and it's yours. Yeah, and 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 uh, you know, the Muppet Show mm-hmm. was very formative for me, accepting a lot of artists uh, and and uh, performers from different eras, because in the late seventies and early eighties. They were all in it. Everybody was on it. Whether right, it was right. Orson oh, the Welles, Muppet Show. the real right. Muppet Show. It was show. a good did, one. Did you think I was doing like a like a symbolic definition? No, 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 no. <laughs> I was talking about the no. Canadian government in no, the no, 1980s. No, no, I thought you were going to do some kind of segue. No, no. No, no. no I, was, I have no segues, no excellent, plan here. Excellent, excellent, excellent. Uh, no, but that was, and you know that he couldn't get that show 
produced in the States. That's why he had, mm-hmm. had to go to England. Yeah. England and Canada were big uh, um, uh, incubators yeah. for some of the more, avant- not avant-garde, but a lot of children's yeah. uh, programming yeah. in the 70s and 80s. And uh, obviously a lot of comedy stuff too, really. I mean, yeah. even though it was Canadian and, well, no, that's not true. Gilda Radner, you know, in Godspell. Right. And I mean, you're talking about another person who maybe wasn't a spoken word artist, but if she had gotten to do more and more stage shows, it certainly would have resembled a Lily Tomlin kind of thing. May her you name know. be praised. Eh? Gilda Radner's pretty great, Black. you know. They're, uh, the best. The performers of the 70s are all really interesting to me. And I, I talk about this, I talked about this with Scott Thompson on, on the mm. episode uh, that, you know, we initially sort of talked about was, uh, we met, a little background is Sandra and I and Mark, who's quietly here. Uh, <laughs> I mentioned Mark. We met up and uh, um, just for some light discussion of podcasting. Yeah, I, I invited you for coffee because I'm, con- you know, I'm, I'm concerned. It was the words I was going to use. I'm concerned about this format. <laughs> I have podcast concerns. I'm concerned concerned. about this shit. Uh, but I, I, I find you an accessible person, so I thought yeah. you would be, if you were amenable to having a conversation, um, I would love to. You know, I wanted to just pick your brain. And mm-hmm. I had watched the podcasts with Scott. Oh, the, yeah, yeah, yeah. And so I thought, okay, that, this seems like a, a right move. And so yeah. you were gracious enough to accept my oh, invitation. Oh, 100%. I'm, I, would, I'm, I was glad you asked. I, I actually am, because it doesn't always occur to me to sort of reach out to people in any kind of, uh, like I do some cold calling, but you're someone I'm, so open to talking to i'm really glad we've gotten to talk you know um and gotten to know each other more because it's just so cool i've i i mean i actually remember when i I did a show at spirits that you were on probably when i was like 24 or 23 and and last year yeah it was general it was like last year in uh uh, the (laughs) the light like let's see it was the life of uh a teenage like it it was the length of time if if uh, that a teenager would would come to realize life sucks 15 years you know wow. that's like yeah, okay. when they're 15 that's yeah, when you that's, go life sucks yeah what's funny when you put some words to it <laughs> what do you when you put some words to yeah it? when you figure that, it yeah. out to, that it has yeah. language that you can oh, be this like experience has language it fucking sucks you or or you hit that breaking point where you're like you know this has happened enough times now <laughs> and i'm not having <laughs> this a good time this repeated yeah. itself but uh, anyway, I went on a huge digression there just to provide context for what I was talking to you about a second ago, which mm. was uh, Gilda Radner. Yeah. And good tracking on that. Good. I'm well done. Trying well done, to son. keep tracking. Yeah, you know, we're this all is, working on it here. See, I don't know. So pretty soon I'll have to learn how here. to do Sudokus because I, I haven't learned it yet. Ginkgo biloba. <laughs> Ginkgo, yes. Your friend. Ginseng. Yes. Um, uh, so Gilda Radner and oh yeah, Spalding Gray, Eric Bogosian, that that form is uh, is, is a, a vi- vibrant and um, it's not really even um, it's almost taken for granted in terms of being given a category. I think I agree with you. Yeah, uh, I I I don't. I mean, for the ease of movement, mm-hmm. I will accept comedian as a demarcation of what mm-hmm. I do. But I don't consider myself a comedian. I yeah. consider I don't I don't I don't label it. I mm-hmm. call it the thing that it is that I do. Mm-hmm. And so 
I'm, when, I, when asked if I'm a comedian, I say, if they laugh. If the audience laughs, I'm a comedian. Otherwise, I'm a dramatist. Mm-hmm. But that's, that's not... I can't take responsibility for the audience. I'm taking responsibility for my performance. Certainly, there are elements of comedy, certainly, but they're, mm-hmm. you know... Well, there's a lot of um, recognition Accessibility. Is, I mean, is, the laughter comes from a, like a nervous yeah. recognition of, of relating to you. Yeah, or mm-hmm. relief, mm-hmm. you know, or h- however you are accepting the information. Mm-hmm. Um, basically, I think I've elevated kitchen table talk to an art form. <laughs> so that pleases me. Well, and what's so funny is, you know, that's uh, um, comedy now. That definition of stand-up is actually... It, it, it envelops your your it includes your style more than it ever has. Mm-hmm. Um, although, if you even go back to uh, the '60s and stuff, comedy was a bit more um, it, that that was an era when comedy was very conversational. That was when, or, or it took a while to get to the point. You know, like Could. Lenny Bruce, yeah. Dick Gregory, and yeah. he, even Richard Pryor was. Yeah. You know, I mean, in a way, to me, Richard Pryor is almost like you. And Carlin. And Carlin, too. But for some reason, it was Richard Pryor's uh, sensitivity that hit me more than the sharpness of Carlin, which is like, to me, he was very amazing at obviously expressing ideas and, mm-hmm. and, and, and of taking things into the absurd immediately. And I mean, for me, the 70s Carlin <laughs> is the one that I still identify with, you know, whereas the later Carlin where he's kind of like there's no god <laughs> you know there's there's you just go in a fucking hole <laughs> you know and, I'm fine with it and I, I just well, heard I a story it. I don't care <laughs> I loved him so much my dad did too one of the mo- like one moment he was on the Flip Wilson show years ago and uh-huh. he came out with a denim jacket on and his big famous you know seven words you can't say in on sure. television and with that he took his jacket off uh-huh. and he says this is my color this is the co- I, he, like in that one gesture he revealed to me the ev- the essence of everything that he ever did, which is this makeup on my face is what TV does, uh-huh. but my skin underneath where you know I was wearing a jacket and I yeah. now that you see my skin color <laughs> this is my this is my color That's not great. this you know that that thing with. Uh... Like my friend um, Chris Locke, you know, you ever see yeah, Chris Locke? He kind I of has it. that ability to sort of sum things up very quickly in in no, in it. a really sort of heady uh, way. I mean, it tends to go into like fun times, you know, Certainly. when he does that, yeah, and it's just, but it's so hilarious and freeing, you yeah. know, the, his style. Yeah, and and, uh, and he has this very like his. His presence on stage mm-hmm. is very warming yes. to me. Yeah, like he has this really affable mm-hmm. sort of like, mm-hmm. uh, you know, just I don't know something about him just wants me to be lean into <laughs> him, and then you do, and it's it's quite lovely. Well, I think that's a big part of that sort of ability to project that one word sort of descriptor or one sentence thing that sort of describes everything. And I think it is like if you can project warmth and connection, yeah, you know, well, that you're, allows you're, for yeah, that. You certainly, know? yeah. And, and um, oh, I actually did remember my... I, I tracked all the way back to what I was going to say is that well performers done. of the 70s and... Uh, <laughs> 
and and we need um, a Sherpa. We need a Sherpa. <laughs> We're climbing a mountain Damn here. It, man. Um, is uh, the intention and the grounding in in the decision, uh, the decisions on stage, the decisions of writing, the the reason you're saying what you're saying. Mm. It seems like I mean, with Scott, there was there's an explanation for almost everything he's he's doing. He's got mm-hmm. a reason behind it. Yeah. For me, it's been kind of a you look back and you go, oh, that was why I did. I said this. That was why I did that. I, oh. I'm working at a subconscious level so often that it's almost frustrating to me because if you asked, how did you come up? Why did you go in this direction? Why do that? And it's like I don't know. And, and that's I think why. Who I'm, asks you? Nobody's asked me yet. See, I'm going. Yeah. <laughs> so I'm just wondering because nobody fucking asked. If you me were either. to ask me, say. Mm-hmm. Say someone asked. Yeah, say. say someone asked. No one has ever asked about an individual joke I wrote. Okay, well, when I do a time. podcast, I'll ask. <laughs> well, hopefully I have a new album by then. That <laughs> Oh, well, then you won't need that. You don't need to answer to anyone then. <laughs> well, no, I just mean so that uh, you can have something to ask about that I don't feel shame about. You shame? Know? <laughs> well, just the shame of, of past work. Nick, which we can't I'm, go down there. Um, so, yeah, I mean, in terms of, would you agree with this idea? And I would never want to include everyone from my generation in not having intention behind what they're doing. It's my own struggle. To well, I can't believe you're out there just flailing around. You can't? No. <laughs> no, because I mean, every step you take is a decision. Like Every step I take is a decision. You have pants on, that's a decision. Top on, you know, shirt on the top, that's a I, decision. I had to text somebody to check if this was <laughs> what I should do. It's like, should I get dressed today? Get the fuck out of here. <laughs> uh, no, I'm kidding about and that. And what are their, what, who are they? Get them on the phone. <laughs> They're Scottish. Are they? Yes. <laughs> <laughs> then they would tell you to get the fuck dressed. <laughs> yes, they would. Yeah. <laughs> um... Yeah, so, so, but I guess with that, I'm just trying to say, was the intention, did you know why you were trying to do stand-up, why you were trying to express yourself? Was it Lily Tomlin as the inspiration for that? Was there a deeper need to uh, put yourself out there? Okay, I see what you're asking. Um, well, basically, there were no avenues, there were no acceptable avenues of experience expression for me mm-hmm. because they were so narrow mm-hmm. right they were like this was stand-up or sketch comedy mm-hmm. or you know uh improvisation and i had dabbled in them i had dabbled in you know done the you know theater sports and i took clown with richard pachenko and i you know took classes of every stripe mm-hmm. and nothing was clicking for me and uh it just it, it just came to a head basically where i had to i had to say something and in my own way and i didn't know how to say it mm-hmm. um and i had been doing little pieces at the rivoli you know and so when it came down to it i i applied for the 1987 fringe in edmonton which was the only one in canada at the time Wow, and I that did, was before the Toronto Fringe. There was no Toronto Fringe. Hmm. There was no Fringe, and only in Edmonton. So I wrote the show on the plane mm-hmm. to Edmonton, and I had the title. I just needed the show. And I just basically got up there and improvised for 50 minutes, and it sold out. Like, the title alone was enough 
of an, you know, because... Was that my boyfriend's back? Yeah. And there's going to be laundry. So, uh, yeah, that was like women were there because it struck that emotional chord. Like every woman knows what that means. Like yeah. every every person who sleeps with a man who leaves their <laughs> fucking underwear on the ground when they leave, they know what that means. So as a result, the, you know, the run sold out. Mm-hmm. Um, tickets were $12. I beg your pardon. Tickets were $6. The house held 100 people. I made six hundred a night, and I did six shows, so I made thirty six hundred dollars in a week from the performance. French. Yeah, and that I uh-huh. I was like, wow. Yeah, is that po- is this is possible? If this is possible, I'm going to I'm going to continue. I'm going to pursue this. It wasn't in a it wasn't in a in a it wasn't avarice. Mm-hmm. It was curiosity. Because I got to be more, more, most specifically who I, I was at the time, mm-hmm. where the rest of my life I wasn't, I was still not being who I was. And you were married at the time, or you were yeah, in a partnership. I was, I was in a partnership yeah. for sure. Um, <laughs> and uh, yeah, so that was there was this beautiful window, this lovely fucking glorious moment where I could step on stage and Mm -hmm. just be me unfiltered uncensored without any nothing on me like I had nothing on me there was no yeah I had nothing in my brain that said oh you shouldn't be saying that nothing authenticity was fuck I was just going I just went at it I went at it Mm-hmm. hammer and tong you know like it was <laughs> glorious what's the tong for i don't know it's a russian uh that was the and so that was you know when you have because that that that's my big thing like i love to feel free i love the feeling of being free and unfettered um and being in good company that allows that so that was my audience my mm-hmm. audience allowed me you know, we came to an agreement about how we were going to proceed. How many women were in the audience? Oh, uh, well, I can uh, tell percentage you. Percentage-wise. I can tell you that in my last show yeah. in London, like, whatever, two weeks ago, in a house of 360, there were 19 men. Yeah. So, uh, intriguingly enough, because the, because the work drew women as strongly as it did, mm-hmm. I, it was not regarded well. And... They wanted to know, do men come to the show? As mm-hmm. as though men being in the audience um, was a vote. De- was a defining was factor. Was a defining factor That's the in the viability make of the or work. break, yeah. Meanwhile, tickets are flying out of the box office. Uh-huh. You know, I'm, as you know, as I continued to do the work, as I started doing more, like doing more shows, doing like and writing again and doing another show... Like the, you know, the, the build was, the build is, you know, still is actually, still is pretty strong. The, the build. Uh, of my audience, of my audience. I believe it. I mean, I, I think that, you, you know, um, chronicling a life, you know, is, is a pretty amazing endeavor. That's essentially what you're doing, right? I mean, you're, yeah. doing, you're putting on these shows 
uh, roughly every year and a half, two years. Usually every four. Every four years. That's amazing. Um, <laughs> no, it is because it means the. I'm going to look to the side all the time. Do I you? just do that. That's, That's interesting. I thought maybe yeah. the cat walked in no, and it got no. your attention. No, I was hoping, but that was probably what <laughs> I was. Like, and if I look up, that just means I'm trying to feel better. I don't know if okay. you ever heard about that. Neuro-linguistic Apparently, programming? Yeah, you look up and that makes you feel better. You pull your ears, makes you feel better. Is that right? Pull your pinky, makes you feel better. Draw a figure eight on your head or your really? thighs. Wow. I, mean, I know looking right is retrieving information. Oh, interesting. Uh, like, um, mm. yeah, maybe hmm. that's what you're doing. Maybe retrieving I'm retrieving information. information. Yeah, that's uh, hopefully what I'm doing. I've completely forgotten what I was talking about, so that would be... We're talking about the draw <laughs> and, the, and the people... And, and just and not the, being and surprised. The work. I mean, in terms of just this happening in Canada was... was in that sense, you know, you were something close to one of the first people doing this, much less women, you know, uh, just people. And and yeah. so the form was probably just so exciting for people to witness, you know. Yeah, I guess. And and it was direct. There's no fourth wall. Yeah. And the, and the language is very direct and very highly accessible. Yeah, so and it wasn't theatrical maybe in all. the sense that they, they expected. You're in a theater. Yeah. Just... Because I need to get you in there. Mm -hmm. uh, but basically, it didn't have any... Like, when, even now, you know, are there any internal cues? No. <laughs> Does the light go on or not? Just at the end and the beginning. Right. Like, I, I design, it's the same as I designed it, like, when I went to the Fringe. Budget-friendly. It's insanely budget-friendly. <laughs> until you start... You know, figuring in the venue costs and yeah. the crew costs yeah. and stuff like that. And, and the union squeeze. I can't talk to you about that. Yeah. Uh, we love unions. Um, I'm nodding. <laughs> but, oh, <laughs> um, but the, uh, what was I going to say about that was, was um, there's an independent side to it that definitely interests me and I did want to know about for sure. But uh, I guess... To improvise for 50 minutes must have also felt, uh, first of all, freeing, and secondly, um, maybe, uh, did, did you spend, was the next show improvised? And I mean, you made notes from the sounds yeah, of it. There so. were there were notes, and there yeah. were pieces that I knew. Uh -huh. So I was, I again, I'm writing a thing about a thing mm -hmm. that I don't know anything about too much yeah right so i'm inventing my i'm in i'm inventing it mm -hmm. even as i'm standing there yeah um and yes it's very uh it's very reassuring to just go from laugh to laugh um so as i as my form progressed i started experimenting with silence uh and allowing and believing that the audience's attention was there even though they were not making a noise um, I never, I think I've probably only ever had the experience of thinking that my audience, you know, when, when you hear people say, oh, they don't know where the laugh is, uh, yeah. that the audience didn't get it or the, you know, the audience, in my opinion, as a group are much more highly attuned and evolved and intelligent than probably what's on stage. They're attentive and they're listening. They are. And yeah. so most they, of the time they've come to a decision. Yeah. A collective decision energetically, mm -hmm. whether to respond or not. Mm -hmm. And m when I came to that understanding, that was when I decided 
that all I had to do was deliver the material mm-hmm. and let it rest and let them do whatever the fuck they wanted to do with it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So there were quieter nights. I appreciate that, though. That's yeah. It doesn't need to be... I mean, this is something I think about, too. It's just it doesn't need to be necessarily this gut-busting thing if you're, like, expressing yourself and mm-hmm. if it's resonating with people. Amen. Even if it's presented as stand-up. I mean, that's something with this Nanette show that it's sort of plays with that idea and i mean it's a volatile show that particular show i'd be interested to know what you think on or off the record about nanette yeah i think you told me when we met up you were like we should talk about nanette well no i didn't i don't think i did say we should talk about. no but you said i have opinions i did and i mentioned them to you which was basically right we did talk about it. she is representing a she is she is not pulling her punches, no. you know, and that has to happen right now. Mm-hmm. That has to happen right now. And a lot of fucking people are not liking it at all. A, lo- a lot of only, men are yeah, not a, liking my it, only but women critique, too. Yeah, my only critique, you can do all of that mm-hmm. and do it. Go, Hannah, go, go, fuck, go, go, go. My only critique is that at the end of Nanette, particularly, and that's the only piece of her work I've seen, um... Is that she starts talking about her assault. Right. And how she wasn't able to express herself completely because she was worshipping at the altar of comedy. And so she ended it before the, you know, she didn't, she only told the top part of the story, but not the middle and the end. Mm -hmm. And when she went into that part, I could see quite clearly that she was not past that trauma. The trauma. She was not past it. Mm-hmm. And when you do that to an audience, you are triggering everyone. And, and that's I find, a great point. I find that I found it unconscionable. Interesting. Because if I'm going to deliver material that is highly incendiary, yeah. I have to be the lightning rod for that audience. It's like when when it's like when somebody when you have a um, a death in the family. Uh-huh. And it's traumatic and it's horrible and there's grief and then the family knows and then the next you know the next ring the next level of the secondary level of people are going to find out you have to stand you have to stand strong for everyone who's just hearing the, that news right they are looking at you for strength because mm-hmm. they are just hearing it and they are going to grieve and you have to be in a position to offer comfort because even though you are still burdened by your grief, you are not in that moment again. I mean, that's a lot of uh, responsibility for sometimes for people who have been... Uh, I mean, I'm only saying that because I remember with my dad, my, my mom and I were just in the hospital. Yeah. and well, My sister too, but we like stayed over. And then in that... I mean... That I know exactly what you're talking about mm. with with in terms of the Nanette special. I think that's important because it's like, in some ways, certain feelings are sacred, and you actually can't really voice or articulate the feelings that they bring up, or the art that they bring up, or the pain that they bring up. And to attempt to do that actually brings that collective confusion and stress 
Because it means you haven't processed it. That's yeah, all I'm saying. That's right. In, if you into haven't the audience, processed it, it's, and, it's, it's still your business. Yeah. And, and you haven't minded your own business, mm-hmm. and therefore you cannot share it. Yeah. In my opinion. No, I agree with you. I, I see that so, I, so often with um, younger comics or performers mm. where they go immediately into the deepest trauma they've ever experienced. Mm-hmm. And it's like at that point, even if they processed it, their performer... They're, unless they're a very skilled early performer, it's mm. like they, that person hasn't processed or isn't presenting it as being processed. It's not performance. Yeah. It's be, not performance. Yeah. It's it's a confession or There's a, an, and, and a, a, some, something that is not performance. Yeah, it's a confession that's... It, it somehow steps outside of the realm. Of, I mean, if you really want to get into it and, 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 and think of it this way, there could be an argument that it's... The, and maybe this is why you find it unconscionable, and I don't mean to accuse Aunt Hannah Gadsby of this, but it is a deep form of manipulation, you know, which 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 performance is in general, in a way. you know. And, and I yeah. don't I don't disagree with you. Yeah. However, I need to have. I would have liked for her to have been past the material. Yeah. I would have loved that because that would that indicates healing. That indicates that she, mm-hmm. for herself, for Hannah, um, has come to you know come to grips with it sufficiently to then then the power behind that is tenfold. Yeah. Like then you're not letting the audience figure that out for you. Mm-hmm. That's that's just my opinion. Yeah, um, that's an, I, that's an interesting take, and and I I hadn't thought of it in those terms. Um, before, although there be, there there have been things about that performance that you know, I think they stick with everybody. I think that's what's interesting. No, is it's people... an incredible performance. Yeah, like most like as I say, most of it until she gets to the end mm-hmm. to the trauma part. Yeah, and uh, um, it also does that. There's a type of comedy that does this. It's mostly not American, where it is. Um, history lessons and and art discussion of art and she gets into that kind of thing eddie Izzard is like that too colin quinn of course did that with this history special if you ever saw that no i didn't uh so there are american examples of it that's eddie Izzard's like stock and trade basically yeah and german french (laughs) every language and and skirts and 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 heels like no that's that's all good but the fact that the man is like the UN of languages. <laughs> you know that James, when he does James Mason. Like I, I, I still love hearing his James Mason. <laughs> he does a very Nobody good James fucking Mason. knows who James Mason is anymore. But everyone knows that voice a little bit. Oh, <laughs> James so Mason sort of talked like uh, Michael York a little bit. They sort of have a similar. They voice came out of that same yeah. echelon, like that same strata yeah. of English culture. My friend Katie had an impression of Alan Rickman. That Alan Rickman's oh, not that far either. Where she was like, Alan Rickman so sounds like he's always eating yogurt. <laughs> that's nice. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. So, so that's. I mean, that kind of thing is is a really interesting intersection that mm-hmm. we're at because there is a point now where um, presentation of trauma, presentation of place, you know, mm-hmm. racial placement, gender placement, mm-hmm. uh, who you are yeah. inherently. And what has happened to you. And what has happened to you. So how you, how you was born, how you was born. You was born. <laughs> You're so gangster. I am. I am. Uh, 
<laughs> I'm in the uh, the Annex Bloods, which is this <laughs> Toronto neighborhood Bloods. We don't really get up to much. Um, the dividing line is Bathurst. Yeah, the other side yeah, is yeah. Like, sorry, the Seton Village Bloods. Yeah. Right. <laughs> um, but but yeah, uh, and and to an extent, I think that things are being presented sometimes by performers who may not have. I don't want to say the chops, but really just the years, you know, in uh, of performance. Um, Everyone has the right to do whatever they want to do. Like I want to say that, and I, and if you want to stand in front of an audience and do what you're doing, God bless, mm-hmm. you know. Uh, <laughs> good luck to everyone. I like to say, yeah. Um, only a particular portion of that audience is going to come back for that, for what you are offering. And that's how you find your audience, if you have an audience. So I always leave it to the audience to let me know whether the work is viable or not. Yeah. It's not up to anyone else because they are, they are where I am making my money. Mm-hmm. And if I'm not presenting them with something that they want to see more of, then my career is going to come to a very quick end. Uh, you know, I'm actually bucking that trend. Are you? I've just been doing it no matter what. God damn that. <laughs> I haven't got those 3,600 uh, fans in six days uh, Which yet. one? The, your thing. Mine? The six days of what? S- six people, 100 people. What are you talking about right Wait, now? no, $3,600. $3,600, $3, yeah, six dollars over 100 Yeah, that was, yeah. you know, 1987. Yeah, no, we're talking about ten grand in, in, uh, in um, Canadian. Uh, that was Canadian. No. It was in Edmonton, goddamn. Are you high right now? Uh, <laughs> like, what is happening? I mean, I did take a, a variety of pills right before you arrived. But, did you? Uh, yeah, they're necessary. Nice. <laughs> <laughs> they're necessary. They're prescribed by Dr. Bum- <laughs> Dr. Bombay. <laughs> Dr. Bombay. Dr. Bombay. Come right away. That's like Howard Stern will occasionally drop a Dr. Bombay Dr. reference Bombay. still in 2018. Oh my God. I don't even know what the uh, the origin of that what? term is. Is that Bewitched? from the party? Oh, it's from Bewitched. It's be- Bewitched. Dr. Bombay. Dr. Bombay. <laughs> Come right away. Yeah. Um, no, I guess I'm just saying like, uh, so I, I mean, but you know, is that, that is your uh, view. Uh, let the audience decide, you know. Um, or let well, the audience will let you know whether or not. In my opinion, like that's how I went. If the audience comes again, mm-hmm. I'm on the right track. Yeah, and it yeah. never ends. Like that doesn't. I don't take for granted that they're going to be there. Mm-hmm. I don't. Mm-hmm. Like, that I believe if I ever thought that it would be the end of me. Is that why you will sometimes have these four-year gaps now between things because you're just trying to make sure. Oh, no, but that's just because I'm trying to live as fast as I can so I can write what it is that I need to write. <laughs> so you actually need to put that time in your I life and because, step yeah. so that you can report back. Yeah, because it's, you know, to coalesce everything and, you know, distill it down. And mm-hmm. then, Because in that process, in the four years, like, whatever happens will happen, mm-hmm. right? But it's my response to what is happening that is more interesting to me. And my... The the only thing I demand from me mm-hmm. as an artist is uh, to be more vulnerable. So how much more vulnerable can I possibly be? Mm-hmm. And that is hard. That is hard because I don't always. I I set this. I set that 
that level for myself but I don't always have the emotional wherewithal to reach it and it frightens it's frightening to me I can't am I going to stand on stage and tell tell people that I'm always attracted to the family fuck up like is <laughs> is that what I'm going to do and when I you know the moment I had that inspiration um like I tell the story on stage of you know not trusting my ability to find a good partner because I'm always attracted to the family fuck up. Yeah. It, it was a oh my god and I yeah. instantly went no my ego went no 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 we can't tell anybody else. you know like forget it forget it and I, at the same time like I'm running to like I'm taking my my dishwashing gloves off running to find a pen to write it down on a piece of paper and I just put it in the middle of the table. I literally walked around the table going, I, 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 I can't, I can't, I can't, I can't tell people that because I, you know, at the time I didn't have the strength of character to understand that I'm not the only person in the world that has chosen poor partners emotionally. Yeah. And that, that is how I grow. That is how I move forward by, by identifying but and even you know when I came to that place of compassion for myself, like and it takes a while, by the way. Oh uh, yeah. There was this I could I could sense sort of a knitting, if you will, of an internal dialogue that would allow for that to come out in a non-judgmental way about myself. Because that reflects on the audience if they feel. Amen. If they feel so, relating. You know relating. so. When I stood there and I finally, you know, spoke the piece, I remember I was at the uh, place in Ossington. There's a place in The Lot. The, there's, it's not there anymore, but it, it was called the Lower Ossington Theater, The Lot. Yeah, yeah The Lot. And um, <laughs> so I stood on stage and I said, you know, I, I, I don't trust myself. I, I'm always attracted to the family fuck up. And <laughs> a guy fell off his chair. <laughs> and... Uh, you know, the audience laughed a bit and the guy fell off his chair. Later, he came up to me and said, oh, my God, I think I'm the family fuck up. Here's went, my number. Yeah. <laughs> no, no, I didn't take it. <laughs> no, but there was that there's that moment of like, oh, God damn. We've, yeah, we've hit something. Yeah. And when I when when as soon as there's recognition, I'm safe. Like, yeah. I run to transparency. I run to the truth. Like, it's the safest place in the world for me. I mean, that's been such a great thing. It's funny, for my first 10 years of comedy, it was almost the opposite. Subconscious things were happening, and that was probably why it was working on any level. You know, but I was doing, like, one-liners, very detached, reading from a notebook. It was all intentional, but I didn't really know why it was intentional. And at some point, I started... I got really beaten up in comedy, you know, like I did a six week tour with like uh, this comedian uh, and, and all these bands and I bombed like 99% of the shows wow. in, in through the US from, Whoa. you know, from like LA to uh, through Louisiana and Austin. <laughs> Bombing nightly. Bombing nightly. Through America. Through America. Wow. And then, I mean, I would have been arrested. I am surprised terrorism. I would have you know, NSA didn't find me. I mean, especially considering I was doing it uh, illegally. I'll probably take that out. What? Well, you know, like so I didn't did, have a P1 like, or anything. So did you come out of that like with incredibly thick skin? or? No, how? no, no. If anything, it broke me completely. Oh, no. <laughs> it no. gave me no faith at all in what oh, I was no. doing. But uh, no, but that's not the worst place to 
you know, to completely Louisiana. rebuild from there, no. from Louisiana. <laughs> but actually, the one place I did well was like Brattleboro, Vermont. Say no more. Yeah, so Vermont was down with what I was doing. And those weird dust-covered hippies, you know, <laughs> were fine with it. And uh, uh, You love those guys. Come I, on. It turns out that's my, my those space. Those are your people. <laughs> but, you know, that created this point where I started being like, okay, enough about... What I was doing was really stuff that was about the culture around me and kind of picking on it in a very ironic way. So it would sort of take, take a lot of assuming what my character was like okay. to know that I meant well sometimes with these jokes. Uh. You know, like a Boyd Banks or something. You know, he projects that he means well and is just a kooky person even though he says very insane I think you have things. to look like Boyd Banks. You got to look like Boyd Banks. Why well, glasses and button up. You still you know, have glasses. I still do, yeah. But it just mean I was a little more like cutesy pie Wes Anderson person delivering this yeah, kind fact, of thing. Yeah. And um still got your baby fat kind of thing. I, yeah, yeah. The baby fat was actually it was like a baby that was growing from my shoulder. <laughs> <laughs> that was all ahead. concentrated there. How to get ahead in business. <laughs> yeah, exactly. And uh, yeah, the point is I just sort of wound up working on... I moved from, you know, being harsh on the world around me, and but being super young, to being harsh, just self-deprecating. Oh, excellent. Yeah, and then that moved into <laughs> empathy with myself a bit more and trying to like spread that out. And then I did well in New York at a show that was like a really amazing lineup and... It was normally hosted by this comedian, Eugene Merman, who I saw later on. He said, I was like, hey, it went really well at Union Hall. And he was like, he was like, yeah, it's just about connecting with the audience. And I was like, oh, yeah, it's just about connecting mm-hmm. with the audience. It is. That's like the only thing. Amen. And uh, yeah, so so um, I don't even remember how I got it there, except that I do agree with you there. And it is it does feel much more rewarding and being told by people. That because you're talking about, you know, ADD or mental health, like mm-hmm. the things that are happening here. And, and even when I was just talking about really my comedy act has had a lot of those moments where I say, oh, I'm 32. I'm getting older. This is what happens to my body at 32. This is what happens to my body at 38. You know, like this kind of these check ins, oh, yeah, okay. you know, and and excuse me, people of that age actually appreciate it. It turns out, yeah, you know, and and well, and if they don't appreciate, if I may, sure, people who are past that age are like, oh yeah, I remember that. Totally, people who aren't there yet are looking at you like they're your you're their future. Yeah, or they're they're also like you. You also can have the opposite where the older people are like, oh, you don't know the half of it. I'm gonna go watch, uh, you know, uh, uh, Don Rickles videos. Where did you just go now? Just where did you just go? This is something people ask me constantly. <laughs> where did you where go? Where did you go? Where did you go? And uh, well, I just mean <laughs> they can. They'll they'll be I mean, more they can, dismissive. They can of be your disparaging, ideas. but yeah. at the same time, you know, like consider the source. Like when somebody goes, "You don't know nothing." Well, so who the fuck do you? What the <laughs> fuck do you know? Well, I think that also I'm reading in a lot into people. It, it's really like they're not even thinking that on any kind of actual harsh level. They're just saying that jokingly half the time. And then young people, my, my younger people are like, nope, never going to happen to me. I don't know what you're talking about. Right. You well, know? you know, whenever I've been warned by a theater administration, you know, I remember being told that if I said fuck at the Grand in London, Ontario, that people would walk out en masse. So I said <laughs> to the audience, hi, good evening and welcome. Listen, I'm hearing that if I say fuck, 
you're going to walk out on mass. No one walked out. <laughs> I went, so we're good? Then, you know, was this recently? No, no. It was, okay. You know, at one point in my, in my career, you know. Yeah. Uh, Back before fuck became just like basically a word to teach babies. I have never not used fuck. Even as a child? Even as a, um, my first... In Sudbury, my, growing my up? My first swear word was uh, when I was <laughs> 10 years old. I was told by my tawny owl mm-hmm. at Brownies that I swore too much. Tawny owl. What, what, fuck her. What is that the equivalent ranking, ranking of uh, a tawny owl? No, is that a general? So, so here's Lieutenant that, governor? Yes, right. Equivalent? Right, the woman. <laughs> Who's she? Obi-Wan Kenobi. Uh so it appears like, you know, people trying to bully me uh-huh. into changing, um, but not giving my audience the respect. And so I'm not going to underestimate my audience's intelligence. Uh-huh. I'm going to like, okay, this is what I'm going to deliver. How, you know, how, where are we going to decide? Like, mm-hmm. how are we going to decide to move forward on this? Um, in, my, in my experience, the women who have, are much older than me and come to my show are there just to simply remember you know, uh, what I've already, what I'm putting down. Dating. Like I have, <laughs> yes. Like I remember what, looking into the audience and seeing uh, at intermission at the Winter Garden, there were like six women still with their coats on and their purses on their knees. And she that. was opening her purse and disseminating pound cake and, and a thermos. <laughs> like they were literally like sitting there drinking and eating cake during intermission. And delightedly. Like, yeah. they weren't going anywhere. Oh, I'm not going to get out of my seat. I'll just mm-hmm. have to get back in it kind of thing. Yeah. Um, and as recently as London last week, a woman wrote me saying, I brought my 21-year-old son to see your show. And at first, he was surprised mm-hmm. at how many people in the room had white hair. Right. And then when you started, he... he he started laughing almost immediately. Well, that's, so yeah. I, I'm, I, my response to her was, cool has no age. That's the, <laughs> the one thing law. you know is you're cool. That's right. And cool has no age. He's cool for understanding it. Yeah. And that is our mutual respect for one another. I totally get it. And I, I, I think that, that that is something where if people, it's almost like you talk about harsh truths and some people are fighting back about it. It's sort of the sense of, you know, have people thinking you have a primary female, primarily female fan base and maybe that's true but they all have wallets they, but they Uh-oh. all have wallets they yeah. are better with money generally than their partners so yeah. these, these guys would be probably asking their given that they're also making you know 72 cents on the dollar <laughs> yes which is why i keep my yeah. ticket price really low yeah oh that's <laughs> you keep it low I do. until until women are paid equally you will that's when you raise those a prices a dollar dude like i'm happy to have it yeah you know like but if you can't get into my house i can't uh-huh like we're not going to get together you know? yeah and so you need them i do and but i was going to say males could do with watching uh your show you know because oh my teaching days are over honey <laughs> no but not it's the only teaching it the the teaching is just you know jumping on the train and then just seeing what's what's being said you know and like uh, just just listen yeah. just listen guys i mean i hate all of these trite things everyone say now you know says now but say i'm doing this weird colloquial gangsta t- everyone say this i mean that's not even gangsta that's like 
Stay with me, Nick. You're, I you're, know. Stay with I me, can't. son. I can't. I can't do I'm gonna it. miss you. I if know. You go. I'm going up in the clouds. Go. I'm going to the iCloud. Just like right hang now. on to your sock here. Yeah, this is why I like editing. <laughs> the you cloud. know, I love editing. <laughs> Nick was in the cloud for this entire event. I sound so much smarter when I, uh, after the edit, <laughs> except for the fact that I'll still listen to the edit and be like, oh, I, I missed a word there. I said... No, you're doing great. Oh, well, thank you. That's, no, seriously. I'll keep that. I find you completely understandable. <laughs> that I appreciate that. No, no, it's my pleasure. But, but yeah, I don't know. It's, it, it, it's right now, you know... The that market, the silent majority, the but it's actually the loud majority. Who's the silent majority? Women, you know, women oh, resonating yeah. with uh, yeah. relating to ideas and emotions. It's a lot easier. Men bond. Um, this is very general, but a lot right. Men have been conditioned, and and it continues to be to bond over nostalgia, to bond over yeah. um, maybe something that's tribal in the sports sense tribal in the you know we all were in the army sense you know rather whereas uh maybe you'll get a guy go so i just got my prostate exam and women can go you know when i first got the equivalent of a prostate exam i was like 13 so yeah i love it so you know it's just in terms of that reality of our experience men are just um what we sort of consider it doesn't take a lot of the things we don't discuss the the sort no. of ins and outs as much, yeah. you know, because it's humiliating to us or something to say, oh, I peed four times last night, you know, or I uh, I'm peeing right now, or <laughs> I have to, I really want to pee. <laughs> I feel like the princess in the pee. I think I I I, I my own uh, my own understanding of it because I've never been a man. Well, good change. Is that women look for common denominators. Mm -hmm. I'm looking for a common denominator whenever I meet another woman. Um, Your mom. Right. But a beautiful home. I have a home. You're independent. I'm independent. It's great to have that, you know, not having somebody on your looking over you know looking over your shoulder yeah those are the things we have in oh you have my milk oh my god (laughs) it's like i'm looking for those things i'm looking for those things because i want to create i want to i'm coming into a new home and i want to be a good guest and i want to contribute something that is worthwhile if i can't contribute something worthwhile at least then i am not uh upsetting what is already here like that's my aim that's what i want and that's what i do with the audience that's what Mm -hmm. i do with my work I want to find our common denominators. Mm-hmm. I want to celebrate those common denominators because forever those common denominators considered domestic yeah. are, not, are, are not valued. Mm-hmm. Yet they are the fucking underpinning of yeah. our civilization. Like who was doing the cooking, the cleaning, the the birthing? You know, like yeah. what was what was that all about? It's a lot know? of work. Not even mentioned in the Bible. So yeah. you know, like we didn't. Well, we got, we got no press at all. Yeah. So when I mean, when, is an immaculate conception also an immaculate birth? Is that the idea? <laughs> I gotta say, you know, Mary, we should really have a conversation with Mary. <laughs> yeah. I'm not slut shaming here at all. I'm just saying, Mary. Yeah. Come clean. You yeah. Know, like what, what's happened. going on? Yeah. Uh, and, you know, Joe, Joe, dude, what were you thinking? <laughs> Joe. You know, Joe. Gord. <laughs> don't mention that. His name was probably Go. No, 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 no more. No more Gord. It's like, I don't care if I meet the man of my dreams and his fucking name is Gord. I'm sorry. I can't. I can't. I can't do it. What is your next show going to be about? Are you doing it now? 
Uh, I'm writing it now, probably. Mm-hmm. Probably. And I probably. say that because I'm not sure, because it just sort of like, it flies in and out, flies in and out of when I'm in the shower. <laughs> so I'm actually keeping a paper and pen in the shower now. Like, when like a, I step out, yeah. it's all wet, and, you know, because that's, I'm getting really strong pieces, uh-huh. really vivid pieces, because this is, I'm, the working title for it right now is Beyond the Pale. Mm-hmm. Like, this is a, an entire time of life in human beings where no one is, we're not getting any press coverage at all of people in their 50s, like late 50s and 60s. Like, this is not... That's why I was saying the silent majority. That's what I'm talking about, too. Right. Yeah. So, I mean, yeah, you're a woman and you're invisible and then you aren't even like, like you, you just atomize into nothing <laughs> meanwhile, meanwhile it's just like you're going to live for most likely you know by yeah. statistics another 30 years you Dude. know so yeah. so what are people doing pretending i mean it's it's almost the it's is an outnumbering situation and and we feel like white males are are you know the voice is very strong you know and at some and point it is. yeah but you know i mean at 69 they're all gonna go. I don't know. You know? And then, I don't know. <laughs> yeah. Like I don't know. And that's my. I. W- I mean, I'm. I'm here. This is the first time I've been this old, so I don't know, <laughs> right? Like it's like. That's true. Wow, this is the first day at this rodeo. It's the yeah. oldest I've ever been, so I'm paying attention. Uh-huh. But I'm also, again, you know, my at the at the nucleus of all comedy is that conflict, is the conflict of what is and what you think it's supposed to be. And what other people are telling you, it might, it has to be. And mm-hmm. the disconnect between these three. So how are you reconciling that? Like, I want like, how am I figuring that out? Yeah. Like, I am certainly, like, every, you know, I wake up every morning, I chop wood, I start a fire, I heat my home. Uh, you know, anybody else? No? <laughs> okay. You'd be, I have some listeners. I don't, you know. <laughs> I don't know. some people. But, but I'm not living a life like everyone else. So, uh, but I'm still, you know, held to the same standard as everyone else in my age range. Like, that doesn't make sense to me. Right. But yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I'm supposed to, what, am I supposed to just fucking die? Go but, on the five o'clock ice flow? Like, what? What? And what probably resonates about that is the idea that everyone is just a precious snowflake. Everyone is living their specific life. <laughs> yeah, you know? I'm so, a precious snowflake. Yeah, well, that's clear. I'm shoveling you know? sh- precious snowflakes just yeah, the other day. Yeah, exactly. Putting them in the fridge so you can have snowballs. Freezer. No. So you can have snow. You do have a freezer, right? I have two, yeah. Okay, good. Uh, you put the... You come over. I'll, mu- I'll show you my well, freezer maybe, collection. Maybe I'll do a podcast where I drive over to uh, your place. Yeah, and, sure. And, uh, you know... Turn left at the, the Naughty cat. Pine. You can't miss it. <laughs> do you ever go to Bowmanville Zoo? No. <laughs> Just <checking>. Should I? <laughs> um, so, so this show will be about your... I don't know. I mean, you don't know. The How piece, long have you been working on it? Like, How long has it been gelling? When was your last show? That's really the well. This show, the, this question. one called "The Big What Now," mm-hmm. is still. I'm still performing it. Yeah. So I'll keep performing it until the and I'll start workshopping the other one midway. Like, will you add it into the current? Oh show? God, no, 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 no. Okay. No, no, that's set. Like that's that's done. It's mm-hmm. not uh, can't be tampered with at all. At all, it has. It's just because of the, of the timeline. Mm-hmm. The timeline is you know here to here. So now, 
you know, this new, you know, this new adventure and how does it, how is it, how is it? Yeah. How is you? I don't even know. How, how is you? Oh, I how like that. You? I've inspired uh, <laughs> you have. in English. Like, I'm like, I'm getting, I'm getting flanagan over here. <laughs> I, I, it's contagious. I'm it a, is. I'm, a, I'm yeah. an infectious person. Uh, I really should get my shot. You got to you get your should. shots I, next time. Why didn't you say? Yeah, get a rubella. Uh, vitamin C. <laughs> uh, flanagan is Irish? Yeah. I mean, obviously my mother's Jewish. And... Uh, <laughs> Well, you didn't get it from your mom. Flan- no, my dad was uh, Flanagan, Robert Flanagan. God rest his soul. God rest his soul, big, big time poet. Uh, really? Oh, yeah. Wow. Yeah, yeah. Well, not big time, but I mean, he was big time uh, in terms of how much he was writing it. Beautiful. Every day, doing the discipline. And, wow. Um, yeah, it was cool having that. That's why our house has books everywhere. Beautiful. And also, mom, I mean, I, I, I don't really like to always credit all of the art artist like all of the culture in our house to just the fact my dad was like this weird pack rat kind of mm. high school dropout who those are the best kind actually. yeah he's just you know a lot of overcompensating with culture much to my benefit you know my sister's benefit yeah but um yeah my mom has tons of interests and they came together to form this uh, pleasant place in to front get, of you to have you flanagan to get, get me, me Flanagan, Flanagan yeah. Liebman, and and uh, but I was going to ask you about the independent element of what you do. Huh? Yeah, I want to ask you about that. Do a quick show and tell. I have a show at three, by the way. What at the Transac? Fuck off. Yeah, you are like, I'm, damn it, man. Well, I'm not on at three. I just mean it starts at three, and it's like a ten minute walk from here, so I'm not okay, too concerned. Okay, Nick, it's fun. Like I know, don't. I know. No, I feel bad. I'm like I'm panicking yeah, for you right now. The performer in you is like, oh shit, dude. Well, do you want me to give you a ride? No, like, no, I'm good. Because I'll, I'll I'm, gonna, I'm gonna think about the act. It's it's like my little workshop experimental once a month thing. I this like your to do. show? No, no, no. My friend Al does it. There's two <laughs> okay. musical acts, Al and, and Kurt Newman, and they perform, and I sort of am the mi- middle thing and and uh i experiment a lot and it's kind of like you do the did the 50 minute thing there's okay. improvisation okay, there's okay, okay, so okay. it's i've got a game plan it's it's so don't you can you can calm it down okay uh i just want to have a i'll I'm, come back if you like nick like, well seriously. i'd like you to come back but anyway but I, I i think we should just i i do want to know about the independence okay aspect well, of what you do just that. you know like like what you would suggest for people in terms of remaining independent in terms of putting on shows, if that's a good idea, you know, I mean, you have put on shows independently since, since 1986. Yes. Yeah. And I don't know another way. Yeah. I don't, I don't know how to fill out a grant form or I, I don't know. I even know how you approach the Canada arts council and what about commercial partnerships. I, um, my commercial partnership <laughs> phobia Mm-hmm. Or I'm allergic to is that if somebody gives you a dollar, mm-hmm. they're going to they're going to want to tell you what to say. They're going, mm-hmm. you know, like if you sign on with Disney, you mm-hmm. can't say anything, you know, bad about this. All of their corporate, all of their, you know. I mean, the director was fired recently just for his, you know, gross joke tweets in ten years ago of right. you know James Gunn. So yeah, okay, you know, so yeah. I I was worried about that initially like mm. right out of the gate um because i wanted to be able to have as much freedom as i possibly could have and so that's why um 
I never sought out corporate sponsorship. Now, having said that, uh, there are corporate sponsors that don't want to align with me, which is b- perfect. <laughs> like cigarette companies. Well, I wouldn't do that. Like, again, <laughs> anything, uh, yeah. booze, cigarettes, I mean, at the time, anything mm-hmm. that was, uh, you know, not pro-health. Like, yeah. And those were, they're, they're the ones with the deep pockets, right? They're the yeah, ones. that's the who, irony. Right. You know? So I said no. What, Lockheed and, Martin. Like right. a, arms manufacturers, right. not... Did you go out and start a war? What? <laughs> what did you do? So basically, I, I, because of the decision that I made not to accept corporate sponsorship, I then put the responsibility of having producer money always on me, like, like in the bank. So I have always got producer money there mm-hmm. in the event that another show or another opportunity to perform pops up and I'm going to need that money. Mm-hmm. And, you know, and then, and then I can, uh, but I, I don't know another way to do it. Sounds like a very protective model because it, I mean, it sounds like the main thing is that you seem to be, have a lot of, uh, thought into having backup, backup money, backup money. I do. I have backup, know? backup money. Yeah. Like I, I, I yeah. got a, what do they call the, thing at the bank where they give you line of credit line of credit i never remember what those are i just it's insane that i yeah <laughs> that you would remember that i mean i don't i so don't have one <laughs> i have one that they gave me uh-huh um i went into the bank because i needed i was worried that i might not have enough money i just wanted it as a backup yeah you know i had this money and i was because when you produce yourself the money you hemorrhage money like money just goes out like the bay of fundy like you don't think that money is ever like it disappears over the horizon it's like (laughs) i have to eat my hand yeah and then hope against hope that a ticket will sell like that is high risk it's a high high risk environment and i resist doing it because it creates so much stress for me i don't so you see there's a duality there that I yeah. want to perform and I have this work and I don't want to produce because it is so fucking stressful. Yeah. So it's a stressful thing. And then it it starts narrowing my world starts narrowing till like mm-hmm. I got blinkers on and all I see is the show. So I have to leave a lot of my life way behind and I'm not fun yeah. and I'm not interesting even to myself. So that's another reason the 4 year gap can it's huge. occur. It's um, huge. But so I went into the bank and I said, can you tell me about this line of credit thing? And she said, yeah, sure. Like, you know, given your credit rating and so on and so forth, which I have always kept up very well. Um, she said, you know, what do you want? And I said, well, if you could just let me have $15,000 just to bank, just like, just to have as a backup. She goes, we can't give you 15000 Sorry. Mm-hmm. I said, okay, then ten or five. She goes, no, no, it's too low. Yeah. I can't give you that. I can give you $150,000. I went, what? <laughs> Yeah. You can't no 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 I can't have hundred and fifty thousand dollars. Yeah. And then you'll buy a helicopter for you sure. Think about that fucking debt. Like yeah. the, the word debt makes my palms sweat. Why is that? I do not. I'm not in any I've never I've never i i do not carry debt. I have another friend who's a lot like that. I think it's a very wise way to be, obviously, and very I sleep well. Yeah. Let me just say this. I really sleep well. You sleep well and also you it, you know, again the independence of fighting the messaging that is just Mm. prevalent Mm. which is just really you know debt's not everyone has debt it's not important you know you'll be like everybody else you know exactly just join join the party i don't handle it well Mm -hmm. i don't handle debt well yeah and that is the duality too because 
obviously having a show, having all that stuff, yeah. having all those costs and and the risk. Like they're gonna like the show. Like mm-hmm. we haven't we haven't sold the ticket yet, you know. And already, yeah. like I'm buying, you know, a venue, and I have you put your money way ahead of time. Like if like you have to put the money ahead six months ahead. Yeah, you can't book like today. If you're gonna book a run, you have to book and then mm-hmm. whatever that you know they they have to have it. They will not. And then they don't give it back if you fuck up. Yeah, I wish they did. No, they don't. And that's the thing is like you don't know if um, you don't know six months later suddenly there's going to be someone with your name shoots up a bank. (laughs) 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 You know, and then it's like you need to get yourself to the theater. (laughs) I'm honestly concerned now. No, that's I was going to do show and tell, but we don't have time for that. What show and tell? Well, just tell me about it. It's just where I bring out items from my home, and you uh, sort of talk about what you think of them. For instance, this R two D two little is it a pencil? No, it's just a little figurine that stand. Very sweet. Do you like uh, Star Wars? Naturally. Yeah, you're a Star Wars. You remember when it was cool? It still is. The old ones are still cool. And the, the prequels first... are cool, even, mm-hmm. in retrospect. <laughs> we can't talk about that. It cannot be a conversation. <laughs> I cannot. Like, but this R2 is good. And there was a man in there. was a man? Kenny Baker. He was Baker. a little man, yes. There was a guy was, in there. Did Kenny he Baker. not die? He passed away. He passed away recently. Aww. And he apparently said that Anthony Daniels, who played C-3PO, was the rudest man he'd ever met. Aww. Which I never would have pictured out of C-3PO. You always, it's the ones you never suspect. Yeah. It's yeah. the ones you never suspect. Makes me think maybe Denim Elliott was not cool. Denim Elliott I love Denim Elliott, yeah. Everything he did was beautiful. I know, wasn't he wonderful? Honest to God, when he passed, I was seriously upset. Me too, and I only knew him from uh, the Indiana Jones movies because I was so young. No. And, uh, oh, and all but the, he was wonderful in those movies, actually. Oh, no, I knew him from all the British stuff that he'd done. I've got to look into that period stuff. Period stuff. And, yeah. What a brilliant actor. Oh, and 40, not, um... Clearing Cross Road? Dan Aykroyd, Santa movie. A Santa Dan Aykroyd Trading movie. Places. Oh, yes, Trading of course. Places. Trading Places. Thank you. So here's another thing in the show and tell. We'll just run Feeling into it. Feeling You know this? Fuck yeah. Do you know this book? No, but I could use it to shim up my back. Well, Rudy, that's uh, Dr. John Sarno. And uh, again, Howard Stern t- has talked about him a lot, and he's uh, that's the first of three books. Hmm. Um, cool. And uh, it's it's about the somatic element of pain. Somatic. Yes, the psychosomatic. Psychosomatic. Oh, but but like it, without but without sleeping. without reducing the. Um, to hysterical. Fe- yeah, he's saying okay. the pain is real. Yeah. And he, he's just saying that a lot of the time it is attributable to. Um, stress or something unresolved or this kind of True. stuff trauma yeah. you know and uh that once you name it once you pinpoint it that's a huge um shift cure almost yeah. you know yeah. a, a, a huge means of treatment yeah and i would does, agree with yeah that. so check that out mind body uh mind body something Do you only have two things to show no there was a th- third yeah five wow um, five this is a rock star card from the 80s <laughs> it's uh who is it that's Ron Wood from oh. the Rolling Stones. Doesn't really look like Ron Wood, does it? No, it doesn't. The he cigarette looks way more interesting than Ron Wood actually looks. I mean, now Ron Wood was like so cool in the seventies. Yeah, he was. He played on all these Rod Stewart albums that are good. Okay. And as a musician, you know, you yeah, a great bassist. He played on Jeff Beck. Truth. Yeah, yeah, he's he's he was really good. 
And uh, yeah, on the back, there's a lot of information about him. You can read He's it. He's still if you alive, want. too. Shockingly. Shockingly, they're all still alive. This is uh, something I thought you said you studied clown. This is a hat that maybe... It's a Gilligan a, hat. A Gilligan hat with clown colors, gay clown it colors. Oh, and it's reversible. It is, yeah. For when you're fancying a different uh Yeah, a little red bonnet look. Yeah, yeah sure. I didn't even realize it was it's reversible. It's like you're... Uh, what? Uh, <laughs> what? <laughs> oh, Nick. Well, the intention behind showing you this stuff involves there, new yeah, revelations and go. discoveries I mean, and observations Valentine's of my own Day items. and Pride. <laughs> Like all the days of love. All the days of love. And this is the last item. It's just a pin of The Simpsons. I don't really know if you have anything to say about that. <laughs> how long have they been? How long have they been together? It's, how long has it been running now? It, it's close to actually your debut, really, because I think by 1987, that was maybe 88. That was when Tracy Ullman started showing The Simpsons. <gasps> cartoons another person who we could have had a conversation about too because she's such an interesting performer um but yeah they showed the simpsons wow joan rivers when she was just what are you doing Silent Mark is now. I was just showing. We were just shown a picture of joan rivers in 1987 and uh the beauty that she had uh in her mid she was a good looking woman yeah she was you know that those early women um Early women on t- and the stand-ups, the early stand-up women. Yeah. Rivers, uh, Diller, Diller, um, uh, Moms Mabley. I don't yes. know. Yeah, yeah, sure. If you recall, when they, when they, uh, when Phyllis Diller passed, CBC called me to say, "Do you want to say a few words about Phyllis <laughs> Diller?" It's like I say, "Good on you." Yeah. Good on you, Phyllis. Um, and they were surprised that I wasn't eulogizing her. I said, "She." had to do what she needed to do in a way at a time that she could not be perceived as a threat. Mm -hmm. So she totally became a carnival float. Like there was nothing sexy about Phyllis It's like Ruth Buzzy, right? Exactly. Same kind of thing. Exactly. But because she was like standing there in like a glitter outfit with a pagoda on her head, Mm-hmm. She got to say exactly what she needed to say yeah. in a way that she needed to say it. And she wasn't censored because she wasn't sexualized at all. Yeah. She desexualized herself. So, you know, that male gaze was off her completely. And women could hear, you know, when Joan Rivers says, you know, a friend of mine told me that I could improve my bus line if I stuffed with Kleenex. <laughs> so I went and did it. I want, You know, people were looking at me and like I thought maybe... Something was wrong, so my friend said you should have taken them out of the box. <laughs> like that so is funny. like all of us going. Ah, oh yeah, yeah, because we were all there. Right? Um, yeah, I don't know. You got anything to say about the Simpsons? I don't. Marge, Marge needs a medal, is what I think. Well, Julie Kavner is also amazing. She is you know? amazing, and she's the only one. <laughs> when they is. did uh, the like live. Reading at the actor's studio thing with James Lipton. They did a live Simpsons thing and they oh, all did wow. red scenes. And she said, I don't want to be on camera. I'll do it, but I'm not going to be on camera. So no. they kept her off camera. I loved her in Rhoda. Yeah, she was amazing in Rhoda. Amazing in like the Woody Allen stuff she was in. She's, <laughs> I remember she was... a line she delivered with so flawless. It was a, she was on, she was supposed to be on a blind date. Mm-hmm. So Mary has set up uh, Rhoda's sister on yeah. a blind date. And the guy comes in, and uh, we are told through a you know surreptitious way that this guy has a foot fetish. 
Mm-hmm. And Rhoda tells her sister, you know, the guy's got a foot fetish in it. So his next piece of dialogue is, geez, Brenda, you should have worn an open-toed shoe. And she, <laughs> and she just looks at him in that deadpan voice and he goes, I didn't want to turn everyone on before dinner. <laughs> and I just like fucking blew my mind, blew my mind. <laughs> Um, that feels like a great way to end. Yeah. So thank you, thank Sandra Shamas, for doing this. Now go to your show. I you gotta go do a show now. I'm no, sweating. we're fine. No. I have time to shave. I promise. <laughs> do you have an electric? Do you shave electric? No, I got, you got I got all kinds of cuts. <laughs> okay, I'll okay. see you soon. Thank you very much. Thank you. That was Sandra Shamas. Just a great chance to talk to her. I thought it was uh, amazing. Her new show is The Big What Now and you can look for more information on at sandrashamas.com and uh, she might have a podcast. Who knows? I'd love to have her back if she has some stuff she wants to talk about. Um, yeah. And thank you for listening. We're on all the social media, whatever. Nick Flan Weekly Twitter, Nick Flanagan Weekly Instagram. I have a newsletter tinyletter.com slash Nick Flanagan. What are you doing? Why don't you let me know what you're doing? I want to know. Here's a little joke of Sandra's. I'll end the everything with. Or is this big, you know? has a civilization living in it. You're going, why are you people in there? And Get the hell out of there. Um, I, I think the greatest thing about actually being in my middle age is that my eyesight is failing. <laughs> which kind of goes along with my, I don't know how to describe it. Um, when I turned, I went into my 40s, I went into the, I, I don't give a shit category of caring. I don't care. I don't care. I don't. I don't. I don't. Seriously, I don't know if anybody else experienced that, but I was so caring before. And then I hit 40 when, and I realized that as I proceed into my 40s, I care less. Like, less and less, which totally explains ancient, ancient, ancient women who are just like... <laughs> and you know they don't care. They haven't cared for a really long time. And they will absolutely, like, they will not tolerate caring around them. Hmm.